Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delph and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Three, two, one... Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 113 of the Cloudcast. We are back from New Orleans, back in Raleigh, and uh, hopefully everybody listening has recovered from the uh, the sort of flood of 12 shows that we recorded for everybody while we were at Cloud Open. So apologize for the flood of that. We had a great chance to talk to a lot of really, really interesting people. Hope you enjoyed the shows. Uh, Aaron is out tonight. He's playing Mr. Mom while uh, his wife's a little bit under the weather. So um, we'll catch him on the next one. But tonight we're we're excited. We've got uh, John Blumenthal, who is co-founder and CEO of a, a very interesting recently launched startup called Cloud Physics. So John, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity to to talk to you about uh, what we're doing here at Cloud Physics. Yeah, very cool to have you on. So, um, you guys, you guys have been, you know, people have sort of known what you were doing, especially if anybody's familiar with the VMware community, because because you've got a couple of guys that that you work with, guys like uh, Duncan Epping and, and Frank uh, Dennerman, who are mm-hmm. very focal. They work with you guys, but for anybody who hasn't heard of Cloud Physics, didn't hear about the launch. Tell us about you guys, your background, the company's background, and, and some of the things you were, you're trying to solve with the company, the you know, problems you're trying to solve. Sure. Um, uh, Cloud Physics was uh, born out of a team of people um, who all spent considerable amounts of time at VMware, um, mainly uh, people coming out of the storage and DRS teams. Uh, my co-founder, Irfan Ahmad, was uh, quite prominent in the development of um, the most advanced features of the distributed resource scheduler. And Frank and Duncan, uh, even before they joined VMware, uh, were strong field uh, advocates and experts in in the use of DRS and and clustered storage in particular. So uh, we've all been looking at the same set of issues that have grown up uh, with VMware customers um, and users for uh, the better part of the last five or seven years. And <clears throat> what we saw happening was uh, really the operational challenges that users encounter after they climb on board the consolidation uh, value proposition that really is the core driver of why people go to virtualization today. And uh, that, that's been such a big uptake uh, in the, uh, the corporate commercial computing space that uh, the next set of problems in terms of how do you wrestle with um, the safety and optimization of uh, a oversubscribed and consolidated environment is really the set of problems that uh, cloud physics is focused on. And that takes us headlong into some of the uh, issues that users encounter as they both uh, buy hardware, uh, configure systems, uh, troubleshoot systems, really all of the standard use cases that uh, go into the operation of a virtualized infrastructure. Um, and so we we left uh, VMware uh, at the end of 2011, beginning of 2012, and formed a team to really take on the challenges of um, how you do operations management in, in a new way. Okay. Now, I, I, I'm going to sort of ask a question, and, and, and don't take this the wrong way. So th- there's been a number of people from VMware, specifically that, that kind of 
were probably peers of yours. They were around the storage seg- you know, segment of what VMware was doing that have gone yep. off and, and started new companies. You guys obviously are one of them. What What is it about storage with VMware or you know, the, the things associated with that, whether it's high availability or DRS, that, that people kind of feel like, you know, I, I've got to go out and solve this in a new way. Is it is it just that there was there was sort of is it gotten very really complicated or what's the what, what do you think has been driving some of that or at least you know kind of drove you guys to want to go solve this in a new way? Yeah, so um, you know a lot of uh, the background of myself and my team we have a long history um, in storage in particular, mm-hmm. um, and. What we found is that the preponderance of problems in VMware environments, um, and actually most virtualization environments, uh, have their root cause in storage. And the issues there are that storage, uh, as it's been constructed and uh, deployed, has come up independently of uh, server virtualization. And that has created a gap both in how you understand how these two systems interact with one another uh, that's produced a new class of problems um, that really didn't exist uh, back in the day as, as, as recently as, say, 10 years ago when it, you could isolate a piece of storage in a server and a single application, um, and that was a containable problem. But now when you have consolidation and a form of oversubscription on a server uh, that leads to new forms of stress on a piece of storage, not only do you have contention among workloads that were historically kept apart, you also have um, a much more dramatic and dangerous situation where the failure of uh, one system can lead to, you know, in some cases, catastrophic outages because you've got so many eggs in one basket. Yep. So the nature of the problems have changed uh, dramatically with the success of VMware. Yeah, no, and, that, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, on the server side... I mean, a server is a server. Granted, it got things like Intel VT, but I mean, you know, a server knew how to process things. Granted, now you know now it's running multiple VMs instead of applications. A big SAN array didn't really know virtualization was coming along, and even if VAI or Vasa is talking to it, like it, it wasn't really designed, like you said, to be this this gigantic collector of of eggs, if you will, and and you know, kind of. Uh, unusual uh, throughput, unusual traffic patterns and stuff that maybe it wasn't necessarily designed to deal with. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Let, let's, let's dig into the, the cloud physics offering. And the, the thing mm-hmm. about it that's, that's sort of interesting to me, there's, there's a technology aspect of it that's obviously very interesting, but, but there's a business model aspect of this that's, that's different. And I want to mm-hmm. dig into that a little bit first before we jump into the cards and the analytics and stuff. So you guys offer what you do is a little bit of on-premise or a little bit of near the customer, but, but a lot of it's done as a SaaS application. Is that correct? It is. And so uh, we've taken um, a very different approach to this uh, as it relates to um, systems management uh, that's been delivered historically uh, to the VMware user. And the, the roots of uh, systems management in, in VMware environments actually go back to client-server days and uh, the introduction of Tivoli and uh, BMC Patrol and CA Unicenter in, in frameworks that uh, really grow up out of the monitoring space and that were all um, installed locally and managed uh, locally on-prem. And um, what, what we believe has happened is the, the environment in which you're 
operating is changing um, dynamically when you virtualize it. So not only do things get consolidated, things get moved around with vMotion. Um, new workloads are put on and taken off pretty rapidly. There's, there's a lot of dynamic uh, nature to the beast that you're managing. And the problem with a lot of the local on-premise solutions um, is just that. They're local. Um, they are on-premise, and they're provided by a vendor who will typically modify it on a product development cycle uh, in a manner that leaves you with a pretty static solution. So you, you get a set of reports, you get a set of analytics and an approach that is structured into the software that you install, and it doesn't really change unless the vendor comes to you in its development cycle every year to modify it, or you have to break out of your administrative focus and operational focus and then become a developer and start uh, building scripts to provide a solution that the vendor doesn't. And so we looked very closely at um, uh, what was happening in some other markets, especially the application performance management market, and we were very inspired by the progress New Relic and App Dynamics were making in the speed at which they could modify and deliver solutions as their users' problems were changing. And um, we believe that a SaaS-oriented approach uh, basically simplifies the systems management um, activities of the user as well as offloads the economic burden and increases the, the rate of response and the ability for cloud physics and its community to deliver um, a very quick solution in a DevOps-driven type manner um, to a VMware user who's experiencing a new form of problem, for example. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's what I, I mean, that's, that's the piece, you know, looking at what you guys do. I mean, we've talked to folks like CloudAbility and Cloud Passage and companies that are doing, you know, wireless management and cloud, you know, cost management. The, the thing about it that, that really appeals to me is, number one, um, I, I'm never going to walk into one of your customer shops and see your box sitting on the shelf with a bunch of saran wrap around it, right? It's never going to be shelfware. It's going to get used. Um, and, and it's going to get used kind of as much as the customer thinks it's valuable, right? So you're going to start yep. with potentially a free or a lower end tier. They're going to grow into it as they want to. Like you said, you can add features. You can collect feedback in real time so you're not... Uh, you're not you're not sort of burdened with gosh I, I don't know how my customer likes the product I mean you're you're constantly yep. getting feedback um, it forces you to, to always be adding value right it's not a five million dollar BMC thing which the value is really just in if the consultant can integrate it it's you know value to the customer immediately and I, I like I love that model I think for a lot of customers it's the once they get used to it it becomes really beneficial to them. But what, what, what do you hear from customers as you talk to them about a SaaS model versus, you know, you know, buying a, a box of software and getting a bunch of DVDs or whatever? Yeah, there's, so there are a couple of things that are going on with our, our, our customers. Um, the, the first is uh, they love the simplicity and the focus of the approach that we've taken where on our platform, um, we have taken a very task-oriented approach to solving your administrative pain. There, uh, because we're we're well schooled in that pain, um, having really built many of the products that are now being used in new ways, um, we're we've developed very specific solutions for use cases that um, we're calling a task oriented approach, and this stands in contrast to what you're presented by your local installed solutions, which is really an inventory driven view of how you 
enter into a problem or try to find it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> in that case, you know, most of the, your your listeners and most of the customers have some single pane of glass or some kind of view into their environment that they currently uh, are using. And what happens is with um, our users is they're finding that as they add the subscription of cloud physics, they're actually multiplying the value of what they have uh, already installed and invested in. And so in that sense, the addition of analytics that we provide uh, help you drive better decisions about the use and uh, safety of the things that you've already purchased, um, as well as things that you're considering purchasing in, in your procurement cycle. Yep. So it, users kind of call, some users are calling us uh, this kind of big brain in the sky for them to draw upon uh, to improve the uh, effectiveness of what they do with things they've already purchased. Very cool. Yeah, I, I like that. I like you know, you, you made a comment about people having kind of a single pane of glass. I, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about that. It, it, in some cases, sometimes it feels like a burden because you, it's like you said, you, you've got this huge system, whatever it might be. And it, I mean, it, it could be just a, you know, hugely nested set of a V center. It's, it's not inherently built to help you solve problems. It's like you said, it's inherently built to, to inventory things, to provide status updates, but it doesn't necessarily move you to that next thing, which is, why is it doing what it's doing? How do I fix it? How do I optimize it? That That's really kind of what you guys do. I mean, you, you try and push it to that next step, which is, how do I make this thing better for you, right? It does. And I mean, um, in that sense, you know, the, these are the analytics and simulations that we run um, that are, are very focused on specific use cases that... Um, sometimes you discover inside of that single pane of glass. So uh, people always want to have that um, that view. They, they want to understand where things are and how they visually uh, relate to one another. But um, when you get into uh, actual operations, you know, when you're, when you're making decisions around provisioning something new or uh, procuring something new or getting into a root cause analysis session, um, your thinking shifts into a very focused way or a, a, in a manner that causes you to want to start exploring data mm-hmm. uh, because your data center, I had a, one of our key customers um, that uh, we're bringing forth to, to market here soon is um, talks about uh, how he, he could actually become 100 times more effective if he could manage the data in his data center. And what he's referring to is all of the in- fine instrumentation that vendors provide, you know, spews immense amounts of um, uh, data, but it's not information that uh, leads you to a better place or a better use of what you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, in- instead, taming that data and actually making it um, useful in-, in a way that uh, current offerings just don't do is-, is really what I think is the draw to our platform these days. Right, so it, it's much more. Does it create information, or does it create knowledge, or does it, you know, create that, answers to questions? That's right. So, that's so right. let so let let's talk about a little bit about your model. Um, you know, visually, what people see uh, is a is a model that is is based around this concept of cards, um, which is mm-hmm. sort of interesting because uh, I think I think I read yesterday you know, Google Analytics for. Uh, one of their programs around Android is also moving to this card-based UI. So you guys may be onto something here. Uh, 
<laughs> something bigger than it was. But yep. but it's the idea of, of cards. So let's talk a little bit about that. And then the other neat thing about it is it's not just cloud physics providing cards. It's There's a community aspect of that too. So so talk a little bit about both aspects of that, the, the you know, how you drill down into how you organize your information and your knowledge, but also, you know, where the community plays a role in these cards. Yep. So the cards um, are this visual metaphor that we've adopted. And um, while I'd like to say we are, you know, the inventors of the cards, we're, we're not. There. It's actually in the U, the UX, the user uh, experience community. Um, the the card is a design pattern that is emerging uh, for its a uh, its usefulness uh, for mainly developing a very focused uh, way to enter into an application or enter into a world, and you you see this on your phone all the time, right? You have an icon, <coughs> and that icon captures really one use case: it's weather or a stock quote or um, uh, a text uh, pad of some kind. The the thing is that it's it's very very narrowly focused on one thing, and you tap it, and what you instantly get is some form of immediate gratification or utility. You you get an answer, and so uh, we believe to the degree that uh, our cards it can focus on an individual task, um, the analysis of whether a cash, for, for example, is good for you or not good for you. Um, the ability to generate that answer and have it one tap away um, from from what you need to do is really the core mission of what we're trying to deliver in, in simplicity. Okay. And so, so cards now, you know, we we have some 350 cards uh, in our in our offering in a card store, uh, which is um, a, a shout out to the Apple Store, as everyone's probably familiar with that. And the card store is comprised of cards that uh, cloud physics engineers produce, uh, but in addition, uh, we have opened up our platform uh, to produce uh, cards by through third parties in, in a way that is a highly simplified uh, way of generating an, ana- an analytic and, and very soon in the near future full, full-blown full simulations. Um, and so a lot of people in the community, especially uh, some of the talented folks uh, who use Power CLI, for example, uh, have jumped in and, and really, uh, in some cases, ported uh, entire Power CLI scripts uh, as a card in a matter of uh, a few minutes in some cases. Okay. Um, so this community has generated uh, almost 80% of what you see there in our card store, um, and it's, it's becoming increasingly active. Um, and not all of the card store represents... Uh, you know the the universe of cards. There's there are people who share their cards uh, only amongst colleagues or within their organization or with a select few people um, within their community. And our sharing capability allows you to build a card and share that analytics so someone else can run it in, in their own environment. Um, that that's also core to. Uh, what we think VMware users, uh, you know, do in the way that they share information and knowledge with each other, um, okay. we're just a platform to to enable that. Gotcha. So you used so you used the um, the Apple Store analogy. Do you have a mechanism, mm-hmm. whether it's a screening mechanism or a testing mechanism? So, uh, you know, if if Alan Renault from you know VMware, who's a you know sort of noted Power CLI guru and PowerShell guru, yep. 
you know, he submits something on the surface. You would go, you know, brilliant guy. I'm sure his stuff is really good. Does it run through a set of tests from you guys, or do you have a, a qualification that somebody has to pass before they can submit a card or what's, how does that work from a community perspective? Yep. So we do, we currently curate the cards for, um, you know, the, um, the efficiency of the, the type of query people are, are executing. Um, there's a set of criteria that we test through our mm-hmm. platform and um, the quality of the card itself, uh, we assist users with as they submit them. Um, so the curation is, isn't a form of censorship. There's nothing like that. It's more of a uh, really a, the focus and structuring of the analytics so that it runs optimally on our platform. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's really the the checkpoint um, you know that we have there and it, it should be noted that this is a structure you, there's no sharing of data within the card store it's uh, it's it's really just the logic that's embedded in the analytic that people are, are sharing there gotcha gotcha and uh, you know and and if I understand the way you guys price your model your your model is based on I believe sort of a, a set of tiers and and one of the criteria for the tiers is, say, the number of cards that you have access to at any given time, right? Yeah, so there's... Uh, the model uh, very much resembles um, what New Relic is doing with uh, the development community, where um, there's a free trial that everyone can try for uh, a period of 30 days, and then at the end of that 30 days, the it, you can elect to uh, choose our standard or enterprise tier, and those tiers are differentiated by... Um, not only the number, but also the type of cards uh, that are uh, comprised of each of those packages. And if the user uh, chooses not to uh, go into the, one of the paid tiers, you still have access to um, our so-called card builder, which is the development platform for you to go and build uh, your own analytics and publish those um, to the community and the card store or use them for yourself. Okay. So that will always remain free. Very and cool. it's it is the community edition of what we're doing. Very cool, very cool. And then I, I would suspect the fact that, like you said, you guys do a certain amount of um, not not filtering, but sort of um, you know validating of of certain things. It, it gives the people that are going to to buy a certain tier, a standard, or an enterprise tier, a, a level of comfort that it's been validated, even if it's coming from the community. Um, you know, it's not just you know it doesn't run the risk that. You know, it, it could have been written in a way that's going to, you know, take down their vCenter or, you know, cause, cause undue CPU or something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, I um, think that's So that's to that great. point, it, it really cuts to the heart of why there's a strict segregation of um, what our architecture is so, so that users understand this. And this is very much worth noting. Um, to, to get going with us, um, you register on our site and... In your registration process, you can download our virtual appliance called an observer, which okay. is our data collection appliance, and you load that into uh, Virtual Center and um, give it read-only credentials, uh, and it starts collecting in a silent runner fashion um, a, a, all of the configuration, performance, inventory data, task data. There, there's, a, there's a lot of data that is all operational in nature, uh, there is no content collected whatsoever. There are no usernames or passwords, anything that is sensitive in nature. And this data then is uh, collected into this appliance, and there is a cryptographic scrubbing technique um, that has some unique intellectual property in it. 
-hmm. that is uh, then conducted, and then data is shipped to our cluster in our SaaS service. That and these collections run continuously, um, so that we uh, are gathering data in a form of time series as to what is going on in your environment. So when you run your analytics, it's the, one of the great benefits of using our service is that this is completely offloaded from your local environment. It, it doesn't even execute inside of your environment. So there is no risk to your environment. Um, Virtual Center, which is notoriously sensitive to certain kinds of queries, um, is not even subject to this. So you can you can issue all kinds of crazy queries uh, against our backend, and it was designed purposely to accommodate um, these kinds of uh, unique and highly valuable valuable types of queries. Okay, so so you're not yeah you're not gonna vCenter has a tendency sometimes when you make API calls because they're they're synchronous. I mean you can almost overwhelm vCenter sometimes uh, depending yep. on how often you're querying it and so forth. Okay, very good, yep. and you can. I don't know if you guys have gotten to this size yet with customers. Can you have um, multiple instances of the advisor running so that if, uh, you know, this group and that other group, um, you know, maybe they're monitoring different things. Can they, you know, like if you had a compliance group or something and you had a, I don't know, a security group or something, can you, can you run multiple instances against it or is it still, you know, is it one and then you kind of do policy and, and authentication against a single uh, advisor for single vCenter? Um, it conforms to the policy and groups that you have already set up inside of your environment. Oh, good. Um, okay. what, what's really interesting, though, is that um, since we can pull from um, uh, multiple virtual centers, uh, one of the unique qualities of our back end is the ability to do different forms of mashups of your data. And these mashups don't require any knowledge of SQL or your data schema or the vSphere object hierarchy at all. Um, they, they can be executed with no database engineering skills or scripting skills whatsoever. And what's interesting is when you start pulling across virtual centers, you can start to generate comparative reports on a variety of things, for example, uh, within your organization that you really would, it would take you days or weeks to try to, um, you know, create scripts and the right types of queries to, to pull together in a single report. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of flexibility in the data set that uh, we have designed uh, from the outset to solve this, uh, this question-answer problem that um, admins have on a daily basis. Okay, very good. So, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about this as it, as it relates to VMware environments. You guys obviously have a a deep VMware, um, you know, background. It, maybe it's not now. Is it? Is it, are there things planned down the road where this works beyond VMware? In a, you know, could this be something that would work? Let's say in the VMware hybrid environment, or is this something that mm -hmm. you know people could leverage in an Amazon environment? You know, are there are there plans to expand that down the road, or is that not something you guys have announced yet? Um, so the. We have. We've spoken publicly about our, so our roadmap and some of the things that we're uh, currently working on. So um, adding collections is, is actually a, a, a modular engineering effort on our part in the way that our observer collector um, interacts with uh, the, the local management APIs that nearly everything in the world exposes. Um, next up in what we're doing is uh, Hyper-V and OpenStack. Oh, okay. Um, 
and um, some other things that we'll be announcing uh, as it relates to um, using this in the hybrid cloud environment that VMware off- offers, as well as um, EC2. So those forms of collections are forthcoming, um, okay. and we've been talking about that uh, and gathering requirements from a variety of users currently. Okay, very, very cool. And and at this point, you guys, I, I know the company has launched. Is the is the product considered sort of formally available? Is still sort of beta, or what's the you know? So if if a, if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, I want to get you know, I want to engage with cloud physics. I want to learn. I want to see where it is. What what you know? Kind of what's yep. the the best status and what's the best way to engage with you guys? <clears throat> it is generally available now. Um, we we open that up to the world uh, at VMworld okay. uh, a little more than four weeks ago, and so. Um, you can go to our site, www.cloudphysics.com, and um, you can register there, and uh, you can pull down our observer, and you can start using uh, all these cards, um, what's in the community. Uh, all Everything that's being created um, is there. Uh, there's some special cards that we have uh, kind of advanced uh, views of that are in a early-stage development process that we... Uh, selectively open up to folks also, okay. and those are in constant development. So um, our offering is just getting richer by the day, cool. and uh, we would love you know to get uh, folks climbing on board. And it's generally available right now. Okay, and they can, like you said, they can always jump on thirty days for free or the community version, and and kind of get in there, get to know people in the community. Is that I would guess the community is sort of built into your website as well if people want to interact and so forth. You do. You can comment and you can rank uh, cards as to their value. You can talk to the authors directly um, as to what you would like to see. You can you can even suggest uh, you know cards that you would like someone to go and build for you. Um, cool. So, so it's, it's got it's got almost sort of an open source feel to it without having to deal with all the open source licensing. I mean, it's got a community feel to it, which is which is powerful. It is, it, and it really just mimics what. You know, already exists as a technical social network among the VMware community today. So, yep. um, I think that's why it's drawn interest. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fantastic. And, and you know, guys like John Troyer have been you know doing a fantastic job, kind of cultivating that for a number of years, along with a lot of other people. So, exactly. well, very very cool. Uh, well, John, thank you so much. Like we said, uh, you know, we always try and run the show about thirty ish minutes. So, um, I think we're kind of running coming up on that time. Um, you know, we tend to always ask people like where they're going to be and 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 where people can find them. I think you know typically always is you know go back to the website. Um, so we're going to start asking some folks something, something just a little bit different. So you're involved. You've got hobbies outside of work. Give us something these days that is really cool that you're that you're dealing with outside of technology. It's a hobby. It's a something that people might find interesting about you. Um, a gadget so- or something. No, right now, um, it's my 12-year-old son who's become obsessed with JavaScript. Uh, li- okay. Literally, um, you know, uh, technology is is also, I think, a lot of uh, the playtime and fun that um, my kids and I enjoy together. We try to mix it up with um, surfing and uh, climbing, which is really, uh, you know, some of the outdoor activities, especially that my kids enjoy. Cool. So, um but any, lately, any specific any, any specific little tools or ways he's getting engaged with? I know we've got a lot of folks who've got kids who are asking about how do we get him engaged. Any any tips that he's found useful to get him programming the right way or in, stay interested? 
Yeah, I, I'm really interested in that. So I'm pretty involved in, um, in exactly what you're asking. Um, Code Academy is is where uh, a lot of really interesting stuff for kids is going on and uh, getting them inducted into uh, programming and especially games and how do you create something playful. Um, there's some great stuff that the, uh, that Code Academy is going after that uh, my kids especially have gravitated to. And so we play around with that a lot. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, apologies for Aaron not being on, but sometimes that happens with uh, families and, and, and health and everything. Um, uh, you know, Best of luck to Cloud Physics. Uh, I know you guys just recently hired a good friend of ours, Anil Lakani, so uh, he's great. <laughs> Glad he's on your team. Yep. And um, for anybody who uh, wants to listen to the show, tell a friend of the show, obviously. Uh, tell a friend if you like the show. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet. Obviously on the web at thecloudcast.net for all things uh, social media. And for John and for Aaron, uh, everybody, thanks for listening tonight and have a great evening. hero. Leave a review on iTunes and tell a friend about the podcast.